getting right into it, I just want to share that I hope my life bears fruit. I hope my life bears fruit. I don't want to just be doing things around this world so that people can know me as as someone that demonstrated some characteristics of the fruit of the spirit. No, I want my life to bear fruit. I want to be somebody whose faith life inspires and connects with and sparks faith in others. That's what I want for my life. That's what every believer should want for our lives. Because if we go from great commandment to great commission, then what we recognize in Matthew chapter 28 is he's telling every disciple go out into the world, make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you until the end of the age. That's the commission. And so there's no way I want to go without having my mark made on other people. There's no way I want to meet Jesus and haven't had a God influence on other people's lives. It's so simple for us to think about our impact in terms of the way that the world describes impact. But the question is, have I pointed anyone directly to the throne of grace? Has my life, have my actions, have my desires, have my interactions? Does the way I carry myself, does even the way I treat myself facilitate a life where when people talk about me, they talk about how they saw God in me, how they learned God from me, how they felt God with me. That's what I want. That's what we should all want, but that's what I want. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in Jacksonville, Florida, if I wasn't desiring to make the most of my relationship with God. I could have stayed at home. I, I could have had a stayed at home in Durham, North Carolina. I could have done some stuff uh, the way I wanted to do some stuff and slap God's name on it. But I wanted to be obedient to what I heard. And I'm not always obedient. Don't please don't get me twisted. Don't get me. Um, you know, don't get it. Don't think I'm saying I'm holier than thou, but when I came down here, when we moved down here to Jacksonville, it was obedience. And the goal was bear fruit, not get super nice jobs and make a whole lot of money and get a house. No, it was bear fruit, bear fruit, bear spiritual fruit, make an impact in this world. And I think many of us, I think all of us want to have an impact in this world, whether you talk about your own children or beyond with your job and the efforts that you put forth. I think all of us want to have an impact in the world. But what I'm hoping that we agree on is that we each have a desire to bear fruit for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God. And so that we want to be a blessing to others a divine blessing, a God-ordered and orchestrated blessing where somebody is thinking, man, somebody paid for my meal. They don't know I was just about to spend the last on I had to get this food. Where somebody is saying, man, they didn't know I was in such a dark, low place, but that hug, that encouragement they gave me, that prayer that they said, man, it changed the trajectory of my day. Where somebody, where you look at somebody and, and show some concern and in their heart, their whole soul leaps up because they were downtrodden, they were oppressed, they were frustrated by the schemes of the enemy. I want us to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. I want us to have a holy impact. I pray that that's what we are. That's what we are. That's what we're doing. And I hope 
that we're all in agreement okay and so here's the thing and this is the thrust of the series if I'm going to be a blessing to others I need to be a blessing to me <laughs> if I'm going to be a blessing to others I need to be a blessing to me and and so some of us when we think about that we think all the wrong things we think our, our thoughts immediately go to stuff that we can see taste touch hold on see taste touch smell and here there we go five senses some of us immediately go to those when we think of blessing we we think sensual things right flesh <laughs> that's what we think about things that you know what what is happening to and what we can do with our flesh but what I what I'm hoping is that we'll understand that if I'm gonna bless me it needs to be a God kind of blessing which may include something that benefits us physically it may include rest you know there's a sabbath in the bible and there's a command to rest and so some of us do and some of us don't and and so we're not blessing us in fact we are harming ourselves and i and i know because i'm in i'm in the midst of that right now like not getting enough rest when the lord clearly has placed a value on rest because he's created a sabbath and he also has orchestrated and outlined um other other instruction about rest and so I'm off track. Let me get focused. Um, and so my goal is I do want to bless others, but I need to bless me. And so I hope the fruit of the spirit will flow from me to others and spark it in them. But at the same time, I also hope it flows from me to me. I, I want to be delivered from loving others from my deficit. I want to be delivered from loving people from my dry place. I want to be delivered from loving people when I am feeling a lack of love in my own self, for my own self. I want to be delivered from that. Does anybody else want to be delivered from loving from a place of deficit? It's like spending money on credit knowing that you don't have the cash to back it up. You can spend it it will spend it will certainly buy some things but you are in a deficit you don't know how you're actually gonna end up paying for what you just spent so I, I think we all can agree and understand that you can show love you can show love to other people without loving yourself you can definitely bless other people in areas where you don't bless you I mean you can be patient with people and you're not patient with yourself you can be kind to people and you're not kind with yourself. You can be gentle with others, but not gentle to yourself. But if you're going to demonstrate healthy, whole love, healthy, whole love for yourself, where um, you are in order when the command states to love God and love your neighbor as yourself, if you're going to have that lined up and healthy, you're going to have have to have a healthy holy love for yourself a healthy holy love for others requires a healthy holy love for yourself you know proper love a proper love perspective positions us for a life of power a proper love perspective for ourselves positions us for a life of power
You know, some of the greatest work for God has been done from a place of deficit where people are trying to become big in ministry to overcome some feelings of smallness on the inside where um, people are, you know, trying to condemn other people's sins to save them and convict them. But because of their hatred of their own weakness for sin. And so there's a place of deficit and, and, and it can bear fruit. But it's also eating us up from the inside. And so we've got to become people that are have a, a healthy, holy love for ourselves. Amen. A healthy, holy love for self. And so I've, I've spoken of before how our hopes for this life and my hope for me and your hope for you should proceed from our relationship with God. And so we should be have our hopes set on who God is. And because of who he is, I am hoping that the fruit of his spirit is made manifest in my life. Not that I manifest it. We ain't manifesting nothing. Our faith in Christ leads to a God manifestation of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control in my life. All right. So we should be hoping for the fruit of the spirit. We should be hoping for the gifts of the spirit. I think I'm going to move on to be talking about the gifts of the spirit next week. I cannot guarantee it because as I've stated before, the Lord has taken this series over and hostage and is doing whatever he wants to do. And so this is what we should do. You should love God, love you, love others as you love you. That's my rephrasing of the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength. And the second is like it. Love you and love others as you love you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love you and love your neighbors as you love yourself. OK, uh, that should make it a little bit more clear for us. Um, there's, it's not I don't believe it's that clear or it's not presented in that way biblically because the assumption often is that you're going to love you and that the deeper you abide in your love of God, the healthier your love of yourself is going to be. And so for some of us, it's difficult because we, we take in so much information from other sources that it's hard for us to get an understanding of what lo us, us loving ourselves in a godly way is. And so that's why we're teaching the series. And so we talked about love, joy and peace. And I proclaim that you need to reclaim what's yours, that the enemy came to steal, kill and destroy. And, and it started in Genesis. And we don't have to be victim to that anymore. We can reclaim love. We can reclaim joy. We can reclaim peace with ourselves, uh, within ourselves. Um, under the power and guidance of Holy Spirit um, when it came to patience kindness and goodness uh, we talked about you know treating ourselves I talked about treating us you treating you with patience you treating yourself with kindness you treating yourself with goodness and then the last three the last three uh, kind of hammered the others home and I want you to be be clear all of these are outflows of love God is love the first fruit of the Spirit is love um, love never fails all nine of these or all the other eight flow back into love and so we don't often hope for but we sure could use in our love lives more discipline and so when you talk about faithfulness gentleness and self-control faithfulness gentleness and self-control what you're talking about is a way where your love for you 
disciplines you a little better than what you're used to or comfortable with okay um, Holy Spirit love for self leads us to a more disciplined lifestyle and so I went to first Samuel 25 because it came to me I haven't taught I don't think I've ever preached from this text but I haven't even heard it taught in a long time I'm talking years possibly like 10 years at this point since I've heard that uh, that passage taught because it's just not um, it's not David and Goliath it's not David and Bathsheba it's not David you know David and Solomon it's one of those stories that's in there in between David killing Goliath and David being crowned king or you know yeah and Saul's death and all of that um, and so we're in first Samuel chapter 25 I, and, and I'm gonna throw this out here because this is the theme of thought when we talk about faithfulness gentleness and self-control I hope when we read this text that each one of us expect like when we're dealing with others and when we're dealing with ourselves I hope that we are living more like an Abigail than like a Nabal I'm hoping that we would live more like Abigail's then we would live like Nabal's. And so I am going to the Holy Bible um, to 1 Samuel chapter 25. And I'm going to go ahead and read verses 20, uh, verses 1 through 9. I got some, there's prelude to the piece of the text that we actually need. And so that is what I'm going to do. And I did not bookmark it. So I'm flipping pages. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel chapter 25. All right, I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 9 from the NIV, okay? Here we go. Bible right here. Actually, right there. All right. Now Samuel died, uh, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David moved down into the desert of Paran. A certain man in my own, who had property there at Carmel, was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman. They ain't talk about that many women as beautiful, so she must have been something. Um, sorry. <laughs> she was an, an intelligent and beautiful woman, woman, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent ten young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Some wonderful wishes. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. That's a time of celebration and it's a time of harvest. Sheep shearing time. Breaking bread. Um, when your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants and they will tell you. Therefore, be favorable toward my men, since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. Seems pretty simple. Um, I heard, you know, hey, what's up, man? Hope everything is going great. Um, I heard that you breaking bread now. I heard that, you know, things are going real well and it's time to celebrate. Break us off a little something. Just hook us up. Whatever whatever you got. No problem, man. Just take care of it. We took care of y'all. Just take care of us. All right. 
It's harvest season. David has cared for Nabal's people, his possessions, protected them, made sure that nothing was ever missing from them. Um, and David is asking for Nabal to respond in kind. Hey, we out here hungry. It's celebration time. Give us some food. Give us something. Um, and so it's fairly simple. Everybody got it? Say yeah. All right. Now let's continue. Read verses 10 through 17. Nabal answered David's servants. Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? See, he already done started off wrong. Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. See, he's talking about Saul and, and David's relationship with Saul, but that's a whole other issue. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men coming from who knows where? David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, <laughs> I swear, each of you strap on your sword. So they did, and David strapped his on as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. So I just want to pause for a second. <laughs> Do y'all understand how gangster, like, like they didn't play no games. Like, we, we've been protecting you. We have fed you. Hook us up. And they and he comes back like I don't even know you, and he says everybody strap on your swords. We riding out. You know this ain't about to be nothing nice. Do you understand that? This ain't about this ain't about to be nothing nice. I ain't saying there's nothing holy about this either. There's times where the Bible is describing what happens, and there's times where it's prescribing behavior. This is straight description. Okay. All right. So where was I? Fourteen. I got a few more verses before I stop. Um. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, uh, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but uh, he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us, and the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day, they were a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. And so just keeping us up with the story, summarizing Nabal's reaction, um, stirs David's wrath. And then Abigail is brought into the equation. And I just want to pause for a second and thank God for Abigail and if you've got any and if you've been in the ball and you you know you all mean and you know not listening and sometimes that's been me I, you better thank God for your Abigails your Aaron's your friends who, who who are the peacemakers among you because good God when it comes to faithfulness gentleness and self-control we all need some and we all need the people that are masters in the art of these characteristics of this uh, fruit of the spirit and so Abigail I'm just showing this so we can kind of get a, a, a visual picture of how this thing plays out. Abigail shows herself faithful. And so when I look at this, this word faithful is really the word faith. The word that they use is the same word for faith is pistis. And so faith um, here is used for, you know, faith or faithfulness. The whole definition I'm going to share for your information. Uh, but I'm also going to point out the piece that we're talking about. It's uh, fidelity, punctuality and performing promises conscientious carefulness in preserving what is committed to our trust 
in restoring it to its proper owner, the stewardship, um, in transacting the business confided to us, uh, neither betraying the secret of our friend nor disappointing the confidence of our employer. Okay, so I want to pull out a little piece of that because that covers a, a wide range of interactions, but th these are important uh, aspects of what it means to be faithful. And so when we talk about it, we're talking about that conscientious carefulness in preserving what is committed to our trust. And so the household has been entrusted to Nabal and Abigail. Um, and so, uh, you know, having that 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 understanding of being faithful to what's been entrusted to you, being faithful to what's been entrusted to you. Well, what's the first thing that's been entrusted to you, your life? You are the first thing that's been entrusted to you. You were entrusted to your parents and entrusted to your family. But especially if you're an adult, even if you're a teenager, at this point, you know enough so that you understand that you have been entrusted to you. Your life is in your hands. Like the basic choices you make that impact who you are, those choices are up to you. And so God has given you life. Uh, he's given you blessing. He's given you favor. The question is, are you faithful? Are you faithful in the matters of others? Like if I gave you something, would you be faithful to take care of it? And, and if so, that's awesome. So here's the second question, though. Are you faithful in matters that impact you? Are you a faithful steward of you? Do you take care of everything that has that is made made you? Do you take care of your heart? Do you take care of your body? Do you take care of your spirit? Do you take care of your mind? Are you faithful to care for what's been entrusted to you? Um, what Abigail shows here, or what we see, um, what we show, what we're about to read, actually, I'm about to read three verses, uh, is that Abigail recognizes a dilemma or a challenge and recognizes it's a challenge with, with what's been entrusted to her, and so she must act. Okay, and so in verse 18, it says, Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seas of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins and 200 cakes of pressed figs and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead. I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband the ball as she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine. There were David and his men descending toward her like she's got the low ground. They got the high ground. They're coming down toward her and she met them. And so she's demonstrating faithfulness. This she's the, the woman, the, the, the matriarch, the wife of this household. And, and so recognizing all the people and all the stuff that she's responsible for, including her knucklehead husband, she begins to act in order to preserve that which is entrusted to her. And so I want you to look yourself up and down and inside and out. And I want you to evaluate and answer the question. And you don't have to answer it in the comments, but answer the question. Am I taking care of what's been entrusted to me? Am I taking care of it? Am I showing myself faithful to my spirit? Do I come to church? Am I, am I showing myself faithful to my finances? Do I do I give my tenth? Do I tithe? Uh, am I showing myself faithful to the principle, uh, the principles that God has revealed through um, medicine and science and and just His Word? Like, am I eating in a way that 
will preserve my health? Am I am I living in a way that preserves my mental health? Okay. Are you faithful? Are you living a faith-filled life where you believe God and so you treat yourself a certain way? Okay? Are you faithful? Not only does Abigail show herself faithful, though, she also shows herself gentle. And so this time, let me go ahead and read, and then I'll define this gentle. Um, in verses 21 through 31, it says, David had just said, it's been useless. All my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David. Be it ever so severely if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. See? This how we be putting God on. <laughs> this how we be putting God on our crazy stuff. Like, may God deal with me severely if I don't kill every single one of his men. Um, okay. Okay, David. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, continuing on. <clears throat> um, 23. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground, prostrate, humble, gentle. Um, she fell at his feet and said, pardon your servant, my Lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool and folly goes with him. She just threw him under the bus with the quickness, but whatever. Um, and as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed, <laughs> you ain't killed nobody yet. <laughs> since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who were intent on harming you, uh, harming my Lord, be like Nabal. And let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles. And no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. This is, you know, buttering them up, prophesying hope, whatever you want to call it. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the, li of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has fulfilled my, for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success, remember your servant. You hear how many times she said her servant positioned herself gently um, in order to hear, you know, in order to receive favor. And so she she shows herself clearly gentle. And so if we define that uh, gentle, it's, it's also in other translation rendered as meekness. OK, and it's mildness, indulgence toward the weak and erring, patient suffering of injuries without feeling a spirit of revenge. So clearly this was not what David was feeling. Um, an even balance of all tempers and passions, the entire opposite to anger. The entire opposite to anger. So David's coming down in anger and is met with an opposite force of gentleness. And so the question is, of course, as a believer in the Lord who's got the fruit of the spirit, are you gentle? Are you gentle? 
Are you gentle? Are you meek with others? Are you gentle with yourself? It's a good question. Are you gentle with yourself? Are you gentle with yourself, especially when you're unhappy with yourself? Do you demonstrate that kind of mercy, that kind of balanced mind? Now, this is an area where I have got to grow. I've got to pray because I can become angry with me. I can. And maybe you're not willing to admit where you are willing to become angry with yourself. But I am absolutely somebody that can become angry with myself. And when I when when I read this, I sit, I feel this conviction and recognition like, Lord, this anger I feel towards me. It's like we're not supposed to walk in self-condemnation. And so I shouldn't be walking angrily at myself if I if I walked into a relationship in a wrong way and and I recognize my mistake I should not then continue beating myself up if I made a bad financial decision and and it made an impact like I rec I have to recognize it and learn from my mistake but I should not be angry and, and meet myself with anger and condemnation towards myself we must be gentle. You've gotten out of shape. You made a bad decision. You didn't go for the right job or you made whatever, 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 whatever it may be. You can be gentle with others. Can you be gentle with yourself? OK, that's the question we have to answer. Can you be gentle? Can you be meek to you? Um, and, and the last one, self-control. Uh. Ooh, self-control. I think that's, you know, fairly, fairly simple um, to define, you know, self-control is discipline. <laughs> self-control is discipline. Self-control is that ability um, to tell yourself no when you need to hear no and telling yourself yes when you need to hear yes. Self-control is self-discipline. And one of the most powerful scriptures I say with my daughter every night is that, you know, God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love and a sound mind. Other translations say uh, a well, in, instead of a sound mind, it says self-discipline. And so that's self-control. And what I want us to recognize is that Nabal himself is is somebody who demonstrates no self-control and it ends up make costing him and so in his initial response we, we see you know in his feasting in all that he's doing we see that he's a slave to the acts and desires of his flesh mm, excuse me to what he wants for him you know he's a slave to that he he doesn't have self-control he can't control his reasoning he's captivated by fleshly thoughts and and oftentimes we get messed up because we lack self-control we are captivated by fleshly thoughts one of the easiest ways to relate to this for men men folk kin folk is like the the way that we have such a wandering gaze right it's one of the easiest ways to, to like self-control, like when you're scrolling and, you know, you're on your explore page or in your walking or you see somebody that look really good walking towards you. You know, the, the way that you entertain the beauty that you see demonstrates whether you are flowing in the characteristic of the fruit of the spirit called self-control. Are you indulging in the image of this woman or are you just appreciating? Oh, cute. Nice. 
Oh, beautiful. Okay. Or does it immediately go somewhere else? Like, man, you know, I want that. I wonder how that is, you know. Uh, men talk, men thoughts. And, and so often, one of our wrestles as men, because we live in a sexualized culture that is, uh, and especially black uh, masculinity has become hypersexualized and uh, throughout hundreds of years of conditioning, uh, and it still pervades today. And so we have to fight our cultural conditioning and regular basic human instinct to maintain a control of our thoughts, a control of ourselves. And so let's look at him real quickly, uh, verse 32 through 38. Uh, 32, David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. So that's a word for those of y'all that think you got to fight all your own battles. Um, Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. When Abigail went to Nabal, this is where we get back to this dude. He was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He's holding a banquet like that of a king, but he had rejected to provide for even invite who would become the actual king that's crazy right um he was in high spirits and very drunk so she told him nothing at all until daybreak then in the morning when nabal was sober his wife told him all these things and his heart failed him and he became like a stone about 10 days later the lord struck nabal and he died he died his actions, his thoughts, his heart, they reaped death. Because what? The wages of sin is death. That's in Romans chapter 6, verse 23 and 24. Um, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, he reaps death. We reap death when we give into our flesh and we don't control our minds and, and we let all the thoughts that we shouldn't have run free and all the thoughts that we should have, we don't even entertain them. We, we throw them off to the side. What we are doing is is giving in to death. We're giving in to the thief who was sent to steal, kill, and destroy. We are put, laying our weapons down in spiritual warfare. We're allowing the enemy to prosper in us, through us, and with us when we lack self-control. And so the question you got to answer and the question I got to answer, and I was going to say ask, but ask and answer as I, as I come down to a close is, is your lack of self-control killing you? It could be killing you fast. It could be killing you slow. It could be killing you softly. But is it killing you? It could be killing your body. It could be killing your soul. It could be killing your mind. But is your lack of self-control killing you? Is your lack of self-control, your ability to inability to do what you need to do and your inability to not do what you don't need to do, is it killing your relationships? Is it killing your health? Is it killing your self-esteem? Is it killing your finances? Is it killing you? So we, we clearly see here that self-control is valuable. Um, and in fact, self-control be so valuable um, that there's a principle of self-denial, self-control that is brought up over and over again in the Gospels where Jesus says that you're, you're not worthy of me if you don't take up your cross 
and follow me. If you, you take up your cross, deny yourself. That's self-control telling you no. Deny yourself and follow me. That is a demonstration of worth and worthiness and commitment to Christ. And so if we love us, if we love us, it's not just incumbent upon us to care for us and make sure we're healthy and blah, blah, blah. It's not just go get go on a vacation. It's not just go get your nails done. It's not just make sure you play video games to get your mind off or whatever. It's not just do what feels good. If you're going to truly care for yourself, in addition to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and gentleness, there must also be self-control. We see Abigail demonstrating faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and we see that it is a blessing to her household. We see that if you demonstrate self-control, it will be a blessing to you. That means you you take captive the thoughts in your mind that raise themselves up against the knowledge of God and who you've been called to be in Christ Jesus. That means you loose and let free the acts of of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, as it flows through you, filling you up where you're not focused on your problems, but you've become somebody that's a conduit to resolving those of others, where you are flowing in the power of God and you don't feel the weight of your circumstances because of the fruit of the spirit. Not because of a substance that you take in, not because of a feeling from what you get in a bedroom, not because you spent a whole lot of money, but because you've allowed the Lord to avenge you and not avenge you, but the Lord to fight your battles. You submitted and you're abiding in Christ. And so the fruit of the spirit does the work. What you would have seen if Abigail had not come is a man that had come to fight his battles and would have needlessly placed bloodshed on his ledger. But because of self-control, because of someone's gentleness, because of Abigail, we see that the situation is turned around. How many situations in our lives could be turned around if we could just say yes to what needs a yes and no to what needs a no? Oh, I don't need to hear what they're trying to tell me. No, yes, you do. You need to sit down and be quiet and you need to listen. If five people done said you got the same issue, then you got that issue. And if you don't think you got that issue, then you need to examine how is it possible that multiple parties keep coming to me to think that even meets the biblical standard. For, so if my wife comes and say, hey, you know, you're too harsh with so and so. And I'm like, hey, or whatever. And so and so says, you know, hey, you know, you're kind of harsh when you say it's like, well, what am I? Well, who am I to say? That other people that multiple witnesses, which is the biblical standard, <laughs> is not enough. I need to control my ego. I need to control myself and I need to then check my behavior. Somebody's like, yo, you know, you're getting kind of big, you know, you every, everything all right, you know, or you losing a little bit, uh, you losing weight kind of fast there. What's going on? You know, have you been sleeping? These are areas where you can demonstrate self-control. Oh, no, I'll be staying up because I got to grind. Yeah, you might not want to do that. You don't, you look kind of rough. You know, and so I, I just want to be clear that we need to embrace and desire these characteristics. The whole the whole all the characteristics of the fruit of the spirit. We want those to flow through our lives to others. But we should absolutely want those things for ourselves. And you want to know a quick gateway? I'm going to I'm closing right now. I'm a little bit over. I'm sorry, but I, I'm closing right now. Uh, we try to keep these at like right at an hour. I think this will be a little bit more. Um. 
One of the gateways or keys to self-control and submission to the spirit is fasting. And so we're getting ready to go into the fourth quarter. For some reason, people be assuming that September starts the fourth quarter, but that's four months. That's a third. That's the third third. October starts the fourth quarter. We're about to be in the fourth quarter. And so this is broadcasting on Sunday. And so from Sunday evening to the evening of October 1st, I'm eating nothing. I am fasting. I am saying no to me, no to my flesh and saying, yes, Holy Spirit, fruit grow in me. I'm not challenging you to do this. I am letting you know I'm leading by example and I'm not going to say demonstrate self-control and I'm not going to show you that the, there is a power in self-control. So I will be having a uh, like a powdery, you know, one of them like meal replacement shakes in the morning and one at lunch and that's it. Chewing gum the rest of the day. That's what five dollars, five, five dollars, five calories, whatever. Just when I, you know, when the breath be kicking, I'm going to make sure I chew some gum and I'm drinking water. Water. I might drink some tea with no sugar and it'd be hot tea. Um, but yes, I am fasting totally, basically, um, from Sunday evening to Friday evening. Um, and I'm doing it to reestablish self-control in my life because uh, we all could use a refresher and I'm using it to pray over those things that I want to see move and shake and shaped in the fourth quarter this year. I want this the, the money, all the money that we need to raise for this renovation, I want to see it all come through before before the end of this fourth quarter. I want to see the renovation for this church completed with, you know, before the end of the first quarter, fourth quarter. I'm believing God for these things and I'm willing to turn my plate down so that I can hear from him. Like I, I know he's gonna do all his part, but what are the parts that I need to do? I could be, it could be that I need to fast to hear. I need to separate myself to here. So I'm even going to really cut back. I, I got to use social media for work and I use social media for the church. But I'm, I'm severely cutting back on my social media time too. So I can control myself and hear from the Lord. I want to receive. Like David said, your request, like you received your request. I want God to say the same thing. I want to hear the same thing. So I'm willing to submit myself. And I challenge you to examine where you need self-control examine where you need more love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control repent ask forgiveness and then be willing to let god turn you around a full 180 to walk the other way i'm praying for us right now self-control whole fruit of the spirit let's pray Lord God, I want to thank you and praise you for this day for this opportunity i praise you um that we can have an Abigail spirit, Lord, that we can be people that see and judge circumstances properly and that we demonstrate faithfulness to those things that you entrusted us with and, and to the us that you've entrusted us with, um, that we would demonstrate uh, gentleness with ourselves or that we would demonstrate self-control or that we recognize that the power of God is greater than the temptation of the world, is greater than any lie that the enemy tells, is greater than any circumstance that we face. Lord, let us have a hallelujah in our spirit and a willingness to lay down everything so that we can take up you because you are more than all that we have in this world. You are worth more. You are worthy of more. You provide everything that we need. 
you are everything that we need so Lord forgive us for shunning the fruit of the Spirit forgive us for nitpicking which parts we want to embrace and which parts we don't and forgive us for the way that we've treated ourselves forgive us for the for the definitions of self-care and self-love that we've embraced while ignoring to care for our spirits and I pray that you would rebuild us and bolster us so that at the end of this at the end of this year by the end of this fourth quarter of 2021 we will truly be renewed new creations full of the fruit of the spirit and bearing fruit in Jesus name amen